Okay, you want to come with me to the Andes Lake by your imagination? Okay, close your eyes. You've been bouncing around in the back seat of a 4x4 truck for more or less seven hours. For a while, you're surrounded by a dry desert. But then, as you approach the Andes Mountains, the scenery comes alive. And it makes you, wow, take your breath away. Because you have volcanoes, you have lakes full of flamingos, you have different colors, the colors change, and you are climbing and climbing, and you are alone, there's no one else, there's no road, and you are making that road, in fact. You drive higher and higher, up the side of a gigantic volcano, until you reach a precipice, a rim. You get off the car and look out over the edge of La Caldera. It's a huge volcanic crater, miles across. You see all the lakes inside and geysers with 80 degrees boiling water. That's 80 degrees Celsius, which is about 180 degrees Fahrenheit. The water is also toxic. It's eight times as salty as the ocean, and it's filled with arsenic. But these geysers of water are also beautiful to look at. And in the border of that geyser, there are different colors. And those colors, you know, that each color represents a different community of microbes that are working in the same way that the ancestral life workers. Ancestral microbes. It sounds a little bit like magic. But the microbes that live in these boiling, toxic volcanic geysers, they can take us back to the origin of human life. I'm Sarah Wyman. I'm Manola Morales. And this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're headed to Argentina, to Laguna del Diamante. And we'll learn what the microbes in this lake can teach us about our past and our future. After this. It was 2009. Maria Eugenia Farias was the only woman on an expedition in northwestern Argentina. She and a small group of scientists were exploring volcanoes in La Puna de Atacama. You feel there that you are very small, that the universe is very big, and you feel really, really alive. <laughs> La Puna is one of the highest and driest deserts in the world. Almost 20,000 feet above sea level, the atmosphere is thin, and the temperature is brutally cold. The conditions up here are so inhospitable, so primordial, that NASA now sends research teams here to test equipment and replicate the conditions on Mars. But back in 2009, there were not many scientists doing research here. No one studied this kind of environment because they are only here. They are in the south. They are very far from the big uh, science places where there is a lot of investment in, in science. Also because it was very remote and no one knew these this kind of environments. So we were the first 
uh, that, that is how the story started. Maria is a microbiologist, and her team came to La Puna in search of microbes, tiny living bacteria. They set up on base camp and spent days on top of volcanoes collecting samples. But one day, Maria came back to base camp early. She decided to go exploring on her own and started making her way around a nearby lake. And in, in one part, there was a special smell like um, sulfur. Right, like rotten eggs. Yes, like sulfidic. And I started to walk into the lake and I found the kind of rocks that has a pink color. So that was so strange. And I touched that rocks and they were very soft. And when I cut them, uh, there were layers and the layers were different colors. And the colors, one of the colors was green. And you know, green is photosynthesis. So those were living rocks. Living rocks. There's a scientific name for these. They're called stromatolites. Stromatolites are not actually rocks. They just look like them. In reality, they're layers and layers and layers of cyanobacteria, these minuscule bacteria that have been around for billions of years. In fact, for two billion years, they were the Earth's dominant life form. Because they photosynthesize like nobody's business, these guys are incredibly efficient at turning carbon dioxide into oxygen. So they were a pretty incredible opening act for the rest of life to evolve on Earth. There are fossils of stromatolites in lots of places around the world. But what Maria was looking at weren't fossils. Those were the real thing. Living and breathing in one of the harshest environments in the world. So I saw that I take photos and didn't know what to do with that <laughs> because it wasn't my expertise. And so I didn't know what to do, but I had to, how you say, convictions. Maria's first conviction, whatever happened with this discovery next, it should happen in Argentina. Even though we didn't have money, even though it should be done here in Argentina. The other was that this was an heritage that belongs to the ancestral communities of the Andes. This all happened back in 2009. Maria was energized by the discovery. She felt sure that there were more evolutionary secrets out in La Puna, more microbe-rich lakes to discover. So she shared her discovery with indigenous communities in the area, she got their permission to do more research. And she spent the next year exploring La Puna. And that is when Maria and her team drove up to the steep precipice where they discovered the boiling, toxic, colorful geysers of Laguna del Diamante. The Laguna Diamante is unique. Definitely, it's unique. I have been more than 200 places uh, including volcanoes, lakes, salt baths, brines, etc. But Laguna Diamante is special because it is a caldera. It's not a volcano, it's a caldera of a volcano. It's, it's like the, the earth explodes. In that place, inside that place, you have a lake, uh, you have underground water coming. It boils at 80 degrees because you are almost at 5,000 over the sea level. Laguna del Diamante is like another planet. 
Because of the volcano nearby, the water in the lake is full of metals. And because it's at such a high elevation, it's exposed to huge amounts of UV radiation. That makes it incredibly inhospitable to most forms of life on Earth today. But for life on Earth billions of years ago, this would feel a lot like home. And it is supposed that the conditions were very similar, where the first cells that ancestor, unique common ancestor, start uh, the story of the life in the planet. Wow. So looking into these lakes, I mean, it's almost like looking back in time at yes. what the Earth would have looked like so many years ago. Yes, yeah, it's a window to the past, in fact, <laughs> to the beginning of life. And inside the lake, Maria and her team found something even more interesting than stromatolites. Microbe colonies. Living red mats clinging to rocks and crystals. No one had seen anything like this before. I have been in many places, as I told you, in all the Puna, but I never found this kind of ecosystem in another place. That is an incredible place, really. And we have done a lot of science around that, and still a lot of science must be done. Microbes like this are called extremophiles because they survive in the most toxic environments on Earth. It's like they have superpowers. And scientists want to understand those superpowers so they can be applied in things like medicine, energy production, or even space exploration. So far, Maria and her team have learned that the microbes from Laguna del Diamante are resistant to UV radiation. They're incredibly efficient, and in non-extreme environments, they act as powerful fertilizers. And the other is that these microbes were experts in catching carbon. They are carbon sinks, and we want to use these micro extremophiles that were our ancestors. Let us help the planet be sustainable. Earlier this year, Maria quit her job in academia to join a startup. She's working with other scientists in Argentina and from around the world to sequence the genes of algae, fungi, and bacteria they've collected from lakes in La Puna. But while she and her team continue to research the microbes, Maria is also focused on protecting them. The lakes in La Puna have been affected by pollution. Maria also worries about tourists and biotechnical companies coming and stealing stromatolites and microbial mats. But the biggest threat comes from mining companies. They've already started diverting water from the lakes to help with lithium and copper mining in both Argentina and Chile. It started to be a, a story that has an incidence not only from the scientific point of view, but also from the preservation point of view. Today, the Argentinian government has declared three lakes in La Puna protected. For Maria, this is a recognition of how important these tiny bacteria are. It's easy to say, okay, let's take care of bears, of whales, but it's not easy to say take care of, of microbes. But those microbes are our ancestors, so we have to take care of them. For Maria, there's something especially beautiful about the idea that our ancestors, some of the earliest forms of life on Earth, might be the key to securing our future. And in this way, staring at the surface of Laguna del Diamante feels like looking into the night sky. 
By the time it reaches us, starlight can be billions of years old. These microbes take us back billions of years, too. But at the same time, they inspire us to keep exploring, to keep innovating, to keep aiming for new frontiers. What do you find most inspiring about working with these microbes or these lakes? I was inspired by the environment. I was inspired by the mystic around the place because those are ancestral. Yes, I, I know I am a scientist and it's hard to hear scientists talking about mystic, but I feel a very uh, commitment with the nature, with the environment and in that part of the, the planet. So it's, it's my life. Thank you so much to Maria Eugenia Farias for taking the time to talk with us today. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This story was edited by John Delore. With help from Tamika Weatherspoon. Our production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder-Arnold, Devin DeComo, Chica Okoye, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed by me and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Manolo Morales. I'm Sarah Wyman. Hasta luego. Thanks for listening. Witness Docs from Stitcher.